afternoon or whenever you're watching this podcast, everyone. Uh, my name's Jamie Sexton. We're on episode 70 of Do More With Your Money podcast. And I'm joined here by uh, another star panel. Uh, hello, everyone. I don't think we need to do introductions hello, today. Hello, Jamie. Good morning. Hi, Jamie. Great. So we are, um, we're looking at a question and answer session again today, uh, which we do once a month. So it's, it's like the Friends reunion. It is, it is. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get back together and we'll, we'll go through some, some questions from our, our clients. We've got some really good questions, so thanks, everyone, uh, for sending them in. But Chris, just before we, we get involved in the questions, if you could just give us the standard market update. Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually been a really strong week for equity markets. So equity markets, global equities were up around about 1.5% over the week. If you look at the best performer, best performer was China. So China was up around about 5%, which is obviously fantastic for a weekly return. If we look at why is that, um, what you've seen is, I guess, a lot of investors quite nervous around inflation. And part of that is due to the strength that we've seen within commodity prices overall. So what the Chinese government have come out and said is that they're going to stop speculation in commodity prices. So that means that investors think that actually inflation isn't such a big risk. So what you've seen is the Chinese economy and you've seen Chinese equities strengthen on the back of that. I think what else is going on? Um, I think one really interesting data point is actually the unemployment figures in the U.S., so they actually came in better than expectations yesterday. So I'll just get the figures for you now. So the number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment benefits dropped by 38,000 to 406,000. So that 406,000 number, if you keep that in mind, the expectation was 425,000. So what you've seen is that figure better than expectations. It shows the US economy recovering, that recovery basically being on track overall, better than what people were expecting. And then you've got to think, well, why is that? I think there's a couple of reasons for it. Firstly, the vaccination program, that is going very well. And secondly, which is something that's a little bit more timely, is a lot of states in the US are now reducing the higher unemployment benefits that people have been seeing overall. So you might have seen things like, you know, the, the $1,400 checks that a lot of US citizens received to help them through COVID. What they're doing is the U.S. is actually starting to reduce those programs to encourage people back to work overall. And maybe just finally for me, um, again, just sticking with the U.S., there's a lot of data out in the U.S. this week. Uh, U.S. GDP came out uh, for the first quarter for this year. So if you annualize it, the figure is 6.3%, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. It was in line with expectations. But I think the key to all of this is that the data is good. It's showing the recovery on track. Yeah. It's showing the recovery coming through. And you're seeing that coming through in equity market returns as well. So um, in some ways, quite a nice time to be doing the podcast because mm. a really strong week Good for news. equities overall. Yeah. And I think, Chris, is, if we kind of just look at the US and link that back to the true potential portfolios yeah. in terms of the level of, of US equity content, it obviously can and have an advantage to, to our clients. Yeah, absolutely. So what you tend to find is, say if we take the balanced portfolio, which is our most popular portfolio, um, what you find is that the US is the largest part of the, the equity portion of that overall. And the reason for that is because basically the US is the biggest part of the index. Mm -hmm. um, if we look right now, we've probably got around about 28% in US equities. Um, so again, you know, very pleased with our performance. Um, if I think about you know, how the portfolios have done this year, They've done really well. So again, for me, yeah. quite a positive start to the year. Brilliant, excellent, good positive message there. Okay, we'll we'll jump into the questions actually because we've got uh, quite a, a good number today. Um, and 
got some some good answers as well prepped uh, Diane so yeah. we'll, we'll start off with you uh, the the moniker of true potential thanks um, so we've got a question from Alan uh, Alan's asked uh, thinking of purchasing a buy to let property as a future investment opportunity what's your suggestions on this as I've never had experience with it right I think um, so in comparison to what Chris has just said that kind of that would take me away from my original answer because my original answer was going to be along the lines of you 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 don't necessarily know what you're getting yourself into. Um, investing in property can be very, very emotive. Is it your property or are you going to give that to somebody else to look after on your behalf? But then if we look at what Chris has just said about equity markets, I was going to, you never quite know what your return will be either. You have to wait for somebody to tell you your property is worth X. It's not money that you can instantly have. It's not going to become available to you. You can't see the, the market or the fluctuations within the property itself. Um, and I think Jenny, actually, if I can just ask you, because you are new to the buy to let market yeah. in terms um, of any, is there anything that you have had happen that you, you weren't necessarily aware of? hundred percent. I think I wish I'd have kind of asked this question probably about three months ago before, you know, I got myself into it. But um, what you probably don't realise at the time is, as you've said, it's not liquid yeah. so you know if, if you at any point need that cash it's not something that you can go and say okay well I'm going to sell my house well it might not sell in yeah. one month it might be a year you know you're never going to know and as you've said you don't know what you're going to get back um, in addition to that you've got to factor in all the additional costs so say for example the upkeep of the property if anything goes wrong the um, the tax yeah. you know uh, self-certification so yes, second income you know, yes, yeah second income you've got to fill all that in pay the tax on it um you've got to obviously get certain certificates for the upkeep of your tenants yeah. and then obviously finding tenants as well to kind of live in the property um so i think there's a lot of things that you know initially it sounds like a great idea yeah. but when you break it down it might not be as you kind of or it, certainly to me it's now not as appealing as it sounded in i think the, you have to do your research um, i think you have to understand why are you looking at a buy to let? Do you are you already invested in the markets? If you are, is this just something that you're trying to diversify? If not, are you going to buy to let because you think it's it's going to be easy for you to do and manage, and you know it's yours? So that that's like there's my portion of money in that property. That's what I know is there. But equally, that there are no guarantees, absolutely no guarantees at all. And like you say, with a tenant situation, though you're never going to know who's going to actually rent your property, and you have to then you're responsible for them as well. Absolutely. I think from my perspective, we run a good podcast on this actually a couple of weeks ago. Two weeks ago, ago yeah. yeah. So it's, it's worth, Alan, it's worth you you're probably having a, a watch of that. Yeah. Um, you've got to look at your your overall sort of, what you call asset allocation, but where your assets are spread. Yeah. And, and one big thing people do with investments and pensions, and, and when they look at their sort of total net worth, they kind of miss out that the, the, the thing that they actually live in, which is their current yeah. property, their house which typically forms a big part of your, your effectively your allocation of assets. Yeah. So by eyeing another property, you're very exposed to, to, to property. Um, with, when you may be, you know, you know, you've got different asset allocations that may fit your risk profile. So it's important to look at that. There is benefits of buying, you know, of buying course. property as well. You can get good returns. Um, you know, people do make money from this. So it's a, it's a definitely, it's a, something to consider, but um, it's worth watching the podcast where there's a lot of good questions on this uh, yeah. last week. I think it's, it's worth you looking at that, Alan. I think, just maybe for me, I think a couple of things. I think, firstly, a lot of people buy property because they think they understand it. Because obviously you yeah. own a property, you live in it. And maybe what they don't understand so well is is investing in equity markets, yeah. investing in kind of multi-asset funds. But I think you're right. You know, you, you talk a lot about the downsides of it. But 
I think the other thing as well is, you know, we actually hold property in the true potential yeah, portfolio yeah. proposition. Yeah, you're already so, invested there. Yeah, yeah, so in some ways it's a bit like like what you were saying, Jamie, about, you know, look at your whole asset allocation. And what I mean by that is is look at everything that yeah. you're invested in. And actually you can get property exposure through through multi-asset portfolios, through the, the true potential portfolio proposition. Yeah. So in some ways, you know, obviously I'm going to be very bullish on the true potential mm. portfolio yeah, proposition, course. but... It gives you everything in one solution. Yeah. Chris, okay, we'll we'll actually keep on you now. There's a couple of questions that are some tough questions for you this week, okay, Chris. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm sure you'll be able to handle them. Yeah. Uh, so we've got, uh, how robust are your audits of companies in which you invest assets, uh, particularly with regards to ethics, environment, environment, employee, terms and conditions, and sustainability? Yeah, look, I, I think that's it's a really good question. And I think, you know, arguably it's, probably the key topic in fund management right now. So, you know, they have this this word called ESG, so the acronym ESG, yeah. and really how is that used within differing propositions? And we use ESG within the true potential portfolio proposition. So the way I would describe it is being ESG aware. So what I mean by that is that each of our individual managers, so hopefully you will have seen some of them like Close Brothers, SEI, etc. They each use ESG in different ways when they're selecting individual stocks or bonds or individual funds within the funds that they run for us overall. So it's one of the key tenets of what we do within the true potential portfolio proposition. So for me, um, you know, I, I think what we've got is is very robust. And what I would say is um, something I'm actually working on today and probably next few days is I'm putting together an ESG policy for the true potential portfolio proposition so um hopefully that should be with us maybe in about three weeks time um, and what that will do is it will detail each of the individual managers how they incorporate esg into the decision taking how we then score those managers yeah. and then how we then incorporate it into our individual decision taking as well so for me i think it's something that is incredibly important i think you're getting a lot of fund managers in some ways, maybe just sticking an ESG sticker on something mm. as a way to make more sales. You know, I don't believe in that. I think you either believe in it and you run with it and yeah. it runs through the whole firm, which is exactly what it will do at True Potential, or you just don't do it. Yeah. You, know, you can't just stick a, an ESG sticker on something and say, oh, great, you know, this is going to give me X amount more sales. Yeah. You know, the reality is, is is you have to believe in it. And I genuinely believe that we do here at True Potential. Yeah. It is the buzzword in investment management. It, it is, ESG. Yeah. It's yeah. The, the one that people ask the questions about. Um, okay, we'll uh, go across to you, Jenny. So we've got a question from Steve. It's not Steve Hutton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> please know. Um, but it's, it sounds like this question Steve may ask. Uh, I have several different pension pots on the go. Uh, what are the risks and benefits for me combining them into one or leaving them separate? Yeah, I think... For me, um, the best probably thing is is consolidation. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes it can be a little bit, you know, we're told all the time, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. But again, looking at our proposition and coming back to the true potential portfolios, the number of asset classes, managers that, you know, we split, we split the money across really does diversify it. So it's not like, you know, you, you've yeah. got it all in one fund or all in, you know, say property or whatever. Um, so I think that that's definitely one of the benefits of consolidating. I think the other thing as well is, you know, tracking them. 
managing them, looking at the performance. So if they're yeah. all in one place, you know, you've got your client site, which you can yeah. log on to. You can view exactly what it's doing. Um, again, you, you know, the client site is brilliant for our pension as well. You can request a withdrawal on it by, you know, a button. You don't have to ring up and necessarily speak to anyone. Um, again, you can contribute into it if you're not at retirement stage. Um, you know, you can do that via impulse save. So I really think that that is definitely one of, you know, the benefits of consolidating. Um, there's naturally, there will be some pensions that you can't consolidate. So say, for example, yeah. if you've got a defined benefit, which Jamie, you know, yeah. you'll definitely know yeah. about. Um, but yeah, obviously you're not gonna, you might not be able to merge everything into one, but certainly I think where possible, you know, it, it is definitely a good idea, but always speak to a financial advisor to kind of understand. I, it's a question I get asked quite often from, from friends from home and they'll go, I've worked five or six different firms yeah. and I've got five or six pensions. What should I do? Should I leave them where they are? Should I, should I, should I, can I put them together? Some people don't know you can do that. Uh-huh. And I think for me, when you're giving advice, especially when you're coming to the end of your, your sort of, when you're coming to the start of your retirement plan and the end of your, of your, your work life, it's actually a lot easier when you consolidate them to, to position the client and set up their income, etc. So I think one, from a, a management perspective, it's a lot easier for you as a client to see them in one place, but, yeah. but two, when you, especially when you get that air. But as you say, it's worth always speaking to an advisor. There can be um, benefits within pensions. So, you, you know, you do need to, be before you transfer anything, just have a, a, a quick chat with your advisor first. Um, okay, let's jump across to you again, Chris, if that's okay. I'm going to give you another hard question, if Ooh, that's all right. Tough day for you, <laughs> And, you know, we'll get all the... Uh, We'll get all the spammers now on the bottom of YouTube <laughs> yeah. uh, as soon as I mention this word. So uh, I keep receiving numerous invitations to buy Bitcoin via my spam emails. Don't we all? I think, <laughs> yeah. um, yes. I've always avoided them and dismissed them as I don't ever touch. Uh, they claim they can make a load of money for me for a relevant small amount of financial investment. Am I correct in still following uh, this built-in advice? And that's from uh, Kenneth. Yeah, sure. Though. I mean, the reality is, is so many people are looking at Bitcoin now. You know, it yeah. is incredibly popular. I think you're getting a lot of people that in some ways wouldn't normally invest who are what I describe as punting on Bitcoin. Now, the reality is, is Bitcoin is, is very volatile. And when I say very volatile, I'll give you some examples now. So, so the price of Bitcoin was $59,000 on the 8th of May. Okay. And then... Just over two weeks later, on the 21st of May, the price was 35,251. Okay, so that's a 40% drop in just over two weeks. Now, you've got to think, okay, you know, if I invested my pension in that, would I be happy? You know, you were just talking about going on the client site, looking at the value of of where you invested. I'd be really uncomfortable. So give you some more stats, uh, Bitcoin's eight times more volatile than US equities, so US stocks, six times more yeah. volatile than gold. So for me, it's how how much volatility can you stand? And to me, you know, if you want to take a punt on something, then you know, take a punt on it. But the reality, it is a punt. You know, it's a bit like, I don't know if this is the right analogy or not, but it's a bit like betting on a horse. I did. You know, yeah, and people want to bet on a mm. horse. You know, that's that's great. You know, if it's something they enjoy, that's brilliant. But if you said to me, right, do you know what? Um, I'm going to give you my pension. I'm going to put it on the 430 at Cheltenham. You know, that, that would be very, very uncomfortable. And I think that's what Bitcoin is to me. 
know, we've thought about actually, should we be investing in Bitcoin in the true potential portfolio proposition? And the reality is, is like, it's so volatile. How do you size the position? And what I mean by that is you don't want the portfolios to be dominated by moves in Bitcoin, which they would be. Mm. So you'd end up having a, like a 0.1% position yeah, or but something it's, it's like new that. and it's not new in the same vein so I yeah. did dip my toe in the cryptocurrencies yeah, because yeah. in technology why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I go I want I want a little piece of that pie yeah that didn't last very long before my little piece of pie was no longer a piece of yeah. pie because yeah. I wasn't going to go in with enough money that would actually allow me to see through those volatile yeah. times so that was enough for me and I can, I can completely understand anybody feeling like, right, I'm hearing it. It's like Jamie said with ESG, it's a buzzword. Yeah. Everywhere you go now, you see it, you hear it, you, it's being referred to. It's the same as blockchain now. If you're buying luxury goods anywhere, um, all of the luxury houses are now using blockchain as a method to guarantee their authenticity. So they're trying to get yeah. rid of yeah. um, resellers. And it, oh, it's okay. just, yeah, so, and not a lot of people equally are aware of that, that that's now going into the luxury market. But you will hear that soon. Um, and with Bitcoin, like it is something that you hear five, ten years ago, it would never have been as prevalent as it was. But we have we have access now to everything 24 yeah. seven. Where are all of your pensions? No idea. Should I consolidate them? Don't really know. It is trying to do the research by the let's to try and do your own research to actually work out whether it's for you. Is it something that you want long term or, or do you just want to say, yeah, I invested in Bitcoin like I did with yeah. a different cryptocurrency, yeah. but didn't stay in it very long. Um, I think it just has to do with research and know that if he is going to invest in it, it's it's a legitimate place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It fits in quite nicely actually to the next question, which is is something that bugs me actually quite a lot. And we'll kind of I'll, I'll mix it in. It's it's asking about Elon Musk as a man who can tweet. Yeah. And, and effectively, it's like the Donald Trump effect, isn't it? Where it affects it the is. market. It's, yeah. a, it's amazing, and I'm not. <laughs> This gentleman says it's bringing in retail, and I'll not say the word after it, but a lot of uh, retail <laughs> clients that you wouldn't expect to invest in that area. So is this the next bubble? It's uncomfortable how a tweet can, can change a market yeah. like that, because I don't know what yeah. your view is on it. I mean, you know, the reality is, is um, you exactly, the question's exactly right. You know, what Elon Musk says really does move cryptocurrency. So obviously uh, Elon Musk is the head of Tesla, and Tesla decided to invest yeah. in Bitcoin in February. So they bought one and a half billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. And then what happened on the back of that was it kind of, I guess, put a level of legitimacy of investing. It's an unnatural in effect, isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. But the reality is he's holding it as cash on mm -hmm. the balance sheet. And you think about the volatility yeah. of it. But the th big thing is he booked a one billion dollar profit. Mm -hmm. Okay. But what then happened, so that's all like very positive for Bitcoin, yeah. and that's where you see it you know, reaching the $60,000 level. But then what happened after that was he then came out and said, well, actually, Tesla won't accept Bitcoin as payment for the cars. Yeah. And then you saw it fall 15% in one day. So I think the reality is, is you know, Elon Musk, what he says really does drive the price of Bitcoin. I think the other things that have been driving it is there's a lot of competition out there for Bitcoin. So what you've seen is China starting their own digital currency. So what they're doing is they're, they're cracking down on speculation in cryptocurrency because they want to introduce their own currency. And obviously China can yeah. do whatever they want. Yeah, it's a can. communist country. Um, just your final bit, which, you know, is it a bubble? Um, anything that rises so quickly means that it's very susceptible to 
potentially falling. You know, the reality is is that um, I do genuinely believe crypto is here to stay. Yeah. I think it will broaden out. I think you'll see a lot of individual countries introducing their own digital currency in the same way that China's doing it. Um, but, you know, anything that has gone up so much, for me, that's not the kind of central tenet of investment. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is you want to buy when something's cheap. Bitcoin to me is not cheap right now. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Uh, okay, I'll take a question myself now then, if that's, o if that's okay. I was going to ask Jamie my question. It was going to be, Jamie, when is your question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll pick one up now because it's a, my exciting topic of uh, pensions. So uh, how do you feel about turbocharging your pensions once you're over 50? The kids have gone and, fi and finally I have enough disposable income to put 50% away into my pension pond. Is it too little or too late? That's a question from John. Um, I think personally, it's never too late to yeah. start saving. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's never too late to start saving. It's never too late to take advantage of things such as pensions where you can get tax relief on, um, advices and getting your ISA allowances. It's never too late to do that. And the more you put in now, the obviously the easier it, it will get. Uh, but it always comes back to setting a goal. So yeah. my view is, is how can you, as a client, you should sit down and say, well, actually, what do I want to achieve? What do I want to achieve? When do I want to retire? And then you can actually use some of the good tools in our in our system now. You can probably explain them a little bit on on setting a goal, saying this is how much I yeah. need. Actually, how much do you need to put in? You might find that you don't need to put in as much as fifty yeah. percent, even even at this late stage. But it's never too late to start saving because you could just get there and you know it'd be very difficult just living off your state pension. You know, husband and wife, yeah. sixteen thousand pounds a year. They may, that may be a difficult um, a difficult thing for people. So it's it's always worth just just saving at any point. You know, any point can help. The earlier, the better, yeah. is what we always say. But saving at any point, I, I don't know if you want to talk about but, the technology as well, Diane. Yeah, but also, Jamie, on your point about the state pension, we really mm. genuinely have no idea how long the state pension mm. is actually going to last. Like we see year on year, the pensionable age is being increased. At what point is it just going to be actually, you just have to look after yourself in retirement. And I think that needs to, regardless as to what we may or may not get from the government, we shouldn't rely on the government mm -hmm. to look after our future. If we if we end up in a position where you can't look after yourself, then that for me is different. But where you are able-bodied and you, you can, everybody, I say everybody, for the most part, people can afford to put a pound, two pound, three pound away somewhere. And like you said, it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be in a pension. But yes, if you do go onto the True Potential site, you can buy one of our products from a pound, from 50 pounds, whatever you want to open that account with. And from there, you can set your goal you can say it's a 10-year goal, it's a five-year goal, it's actually, it's just fixed, I just want £10,000 in five years, or alternatively, actually, I want growth, I want to make 5% every year mm. for 10, 15, 20 years. The website will allow you to do that, and once you're in there, you can actually track your target, against, well, you can track your performance against your target or your goal, and you can adjust it at any time. It's, so it's not just a case of, right, I've put 50% of my salary or whatever I can into a pension, that's it now, I'm committed for the remainder of my employment life, you can actually see where your pension's going and what's actually happening to it. Like you say, is 50% too much? Is it not enough? At least at least you're taking control and you're doing something that, that allows you to, to understand what you might have in your future. I think as well, that's it's coming back to the impulse save feature as well. So yeah. you know, if, you, if you don't necessarily have that 50% say every month, you know, you could say, right, well, I need to contribute you know, 20% of my wage yeah. each month to try and hit my goal. But actually, if we get that additional bonus or, you know, whatever it may be, that's why the impulse save technology is just so... It's when you key. don't have to pay your council tax for two months of the year. You can yes. save your council that's tax with actually. impulse save. You're, yeah, not, you're not, you're no worse off because you've been paying that for 10 months. 
anyway. Yeah. So over 12, there's a big chug. I mean, don't tell Neil that I use the household council tax to pay into my pension. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to stop paying he the council tax. He doesn't know that. That's why well, he no, doesn't you're, watch this. So your council tax, but they've been over 12 months. Yeah. Yeah, we effectively get yeah. two months free. Yeah. So I then siphon that off yeah. into my pension and Neil can have his yeah. Sounds, own makes sense. money for his pension. It's just, just one other thing as well is, you know, the guy's talking about being in his 50s. You know, there's a chance he could live to 100 yeah. or mm. even more than 100. So in some ways you might think, well, you know, I'm quite close to retirement and you know, maybe he or she is quite close to retirement. But the reality is, is the actual investment term, yeah. it's, it's very, very long term. Yeah. You know, it's not like as soon as you retire, suddenly all that money's disinvested. It stays invested. It continues growing all the time. Yeah. So in that sense, you know, I think he's got a great chance, if he can afford to do it, to put that money away, to save on the tax, have that tax shelter, and have what is, mm. is a long-term investment. Yeah. It's interesting what you, what you say there, Chris, with the sort of the, an average age is 84-year-old. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and on this instance, you've got, you know, 34 years of potentially savings. Exactly. So it yeah. definitely makes a difference. Uh, okay, Di, we'll, we'll shoot a question to yourself from Tim. Uh, what are the benefits slash pros and cons of taking your 25% lump sum as soon as you retire? So the first undeniable benefit is that you have a lump sum of money just available to you as and when you want it in your bank account. But for me that's the only benefit because you don't have to take 25% straight away. You could take your 25% tax-free cash over a period of days, weeks or months. Um, you could combine that with taxable if you wanted to. But equally, the, for me, the, the con about that is you, you're losing the growth on the amount of money that you've taken if you don't need it. So first of all, I would say, do you actually need 25? If you legitimately need that 25% tax-free then of course, my, I'll not use the word advice, but yes, I would say if you need it, then take it. But if you don't need it, only take what you need, leave the rest invested so that you're actually receiving the growth on the invested amount as opposed to the growth on the minus, the 25% that you've taken away and it might be sat in a bank account earning little to nothing when you look at inflation. So remembering as well that it's got to last you you know your, yeah. your lifetime yeah. yeah it's you know it's yeah. it might be great to think oh i'll go and buy a speedboat or you know yeah. i'm going to go on the holiday of a lifetime which again you know i'm not yeah. saying not to do but that money you know you've saved a long time for that has got you get that has got to get you through your retirement yeah and, and from an advice perspective it, it's something we do quite often um i did it for a client and maybe watch a bit of a client a couple of uh, months ago where we set up his um his income and his tax-free cash to come out in one monthly payment. So yeah. effectively, he received his income up to his personal allowance, and then the, the remainder was was tax-free cash. So he got exactly what he needed from a, a sort of spending perspective and paid no tax, uh, because we used the tax-free cash element over a long period of time. And eventually, that will run out, and we'll have to assess it. But it's the you know it's effectively you you quite delaying the the tax payments. It's kind of tax uh, freedom cash then, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> as opposed to tax-free. Exactly. Uh, the point is, is you don't have to. It's it's a very misconception that you, you know, once upon a time before Benjamin Freedoms, you go, well, I mean, 25% comes out of yeah. an annuity. Very rare you'd see someone go into what we call a cap drawdown. Um, now it's, you know, it's the opposite, really. And I think you don't need to take your 25% straight away. It yeah. really depends on, yeah, on what you do. You do have options. Yeah. yeah. But if it's your money, it's your money. And I think it's 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 important that you, you balance that up and, and try and look at that. Yeah. I just think for me, I, I think, you know, Di, just going back to your point, it's, if you've got a need for it, then fine. Yeah. 
But if you're literally just taking it out and sticking it because in the bank. Because it's yours. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you just think, well, actually, don't, I, I want to put this in a bank. I want to keep it in the bank account. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to earn any money on no. it. And that's the key thing. You know, interest rates, they're not going to significantly move higher over probably the next five years, maybe even longer than that. So the reality is, is that you're in cash, you're losing money. Yeah. Mm. You know, when you think about the real return, so the return after inflation, mm. that you're making a loss. So you may as well stay invested, see that growth ahead of inflation come through. And, and that's the way that you have more money overall. And might you be inclined, because it's there, might you be inclined to use it because you yeah, can use exactly, it straight away. Yeah. And then are you likely to look back and think, actually, I wish I hadn't. Like, what do I have to show for that? Mm. It, it was lovely at the time, yeah, but yeah. in real terms, I'm now five, ten years down the line and I'm now having to use the tax mm. side of things. to. And it's. Yeah. I, I think you just need to weigh up kind of your own pros and cons as to why the 25, are there other options and what else could I do instead? Yeah, and, it, and the other option is it might not be best to take your income out of your pension. You know, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's a good point, yeah. So, um, right, Jenny, we'll, we'll shoot across to yourself. Um, how long before... Uh, so this is a question from, from Neil J. Do you think this is Neil Johnson? It may be. <laughs> might, might oh, be dear. Um, <laughs> might be about the, it might be about, about the council tax. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, why is Diane using my council tax? Uh, no. question is, uh, how long before your planned retirement date uh, should one typically engage with a financial advisor? Yeah, I think for me, I would probably do it as soon as possible. Um, mm. Because again, probably coming back to points that we've made around the table in earlier questions is that it's not about when you come to retirement, you yeah. need to set that goal, you know, kind of as soon as you start contributing into your pension, yeah. you know, there should be a clear indication as to what you need um, by the time you want to retire, when you want to retire, so that you're well informed kind of as you go through your life, how much you need to be contributing, how much you need to be topping up and tracking how, you know, the growth of your pot is doing against yeah. your goal. Um, again, the, the, the great thing about, you know, having a financial advisor is that they can assess you annually so they can check that what you're contributing is going to get you there. Um, you know, look at the performance, check that, you know, you're in the right position. Do you have any more, you know, expose, uh, disposable income that you could potentially be adding in as well to help, you know, get you to your goal? So I think for me, it's it's probably one that I would say straight away. Um, yeah. That's kind of what you're working towards. You're working towards retirement. You're not kind of getting to retirement and then realise that actually you're not going to get there because yeah. you've got no money in your pot. Um, you know, if, if you don't have a financial advisor, then obviously, you know, we're here at head office. We can always put you in contact with one, but I would definitely say sooner rather than later. Great. Um, OK, I'll jump across to myself. This is a, a tough, tough question for Ooh. me. Chris. <laughs> you want me to read it out for you, Jamie? Uh, yeah, it's about, like, it's about lifetime allowance, actually. So it's come from Joan. Um, and I've transferred most of my pensions to the TPSIP and the gains on the capital are performing well. So I'm now nearing the pension limit, so the lifetime allowance limit um, of just over the million pounds and still contribute to my workplace pension. What do I do to need to ensure I don't pay the 55% tax? A um, couple of things, Jones, I would, I would, it's worth you having a, a chat with your advisor really to, to weigh up your mm. options because um, I don't know your full circumstances. Um, some employers will, um, will actually allow you to sacrifice their pension contributions for a pay increase. Um, which may be an option now for you because every pound that you're putting in, Ooh. you've potentially got that. You're nearly there, Dan. So I am, you're right. <laughs> really so they may actually um, contribute that. And we, we see that quite often when people hit lifetime allowance rates. So it's worth having that, that conversation with with your employer. You know, the, the point in you know lifetime allowance, uh, it, it is a you know a, 
a tax, not necessarily 55%. You can take it as 25% if you're taking it down as, as income. Uh, but probably the best option is speak to an advisor, also speak to your employer to see what your options are as well. Um, because that, that might be the, the best way to actually stop contributing to that pension and maybe just look at your ISAs instead. And if the employer will help with that, that would um, that would definitely work. You say the lady's name is Joan. Yes. I think um, it's good news for us that she's also saying that the portfolios are doing well. Yeah. So props to Chris. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Great. Great job. Well done, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> she, mentioned, she, she mentioned you in here, Chris, actually. So. Brilliant. Right. And on that note, the last question is for you, Chris. Um, another one from Ian, uh, which is a good question. Uh, when are central banks going to be less accom- accommodative? Uh, inflation is set to rise as economies recover. How long before they're sensible and pull on the interest rate breaks and take a quantitative easing? 2022, 2023, or interest rates 1% or less? Yeah, sure. So maybe if we start with the UK and the Bank of England. So at the last Monetary Policy Committee meeting, the Bank of England guided that they are likely to raise rates next year. So sometime in 2022. I think the reality is, though, you know, we're going to be in a, a low rate environment for a long time. And if you think about it, we've got a lot of debt that's outstanding yeah. because of everything that's happening with COVID. Um, therefore, the reality is is that governments need interest rates to be low. But you know, we talked a little about inflation there. So the Bank of England have a two percent inflation target, and we're not actually at two percent as of yet. So what they'll need to see is for us to be at that inflation target, but also to be at that inflation target for a while before they actually consider raising rates. It was interesting, I had a, a conversation um, with a, a guy at Goldman Sachs, and we were talking about, you know, what is a kind of long-term level of interest rates in the UK? And he was saying less than 2%. Mm. And if you think about, yeah. you know, what it used yeah. to be, like, everyone would probably would have said 5%, wouldn't mm. they, like 15 years yeah. ago? Um, but the reality is, is I think we're in a low interest rate environment for, for a long time. And what does that mean? What it means is that, you know, people need to invest mm. to make money. You know, the reality yeah. is, is on cash. You know, you're not gonna. We're not gonna go back to like cash accounts that pay five, yeah. six, seven, eight percent, something like that. Um, and just on inflation, you know, for us, we believe that inflation is going to be transitory. So what we know is that we will see higher inflation, and you've started to see that come through in the inflation prints over the last few months, and that's because prices fell so much during the pandemic. So you saw like, the oil price actually went negative during yeah. the pandemic, which is it's just crazy. Um, but we see inflation coming through, but over the short term, but over the longer term, we just see an environment like we've been in the past, which is is generally quite low inflation overall. It's interesting that the last part of the question you, you asked, uh, Ian asked was, um, will the sovereign states ever reduce the level of borrowing? Be, you know, will over the next yeah. four to five years, are we going to go to see? That sort of Osborne style reducing borrowing, or is it, you know, will we see this for the foreseeable? I think the reality is is that as long as interest rates are low, then in some ways having a large amount of borrowing isn't the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's not great, but it means that it's manageable. Yeah, it means that those interest payments are serviceable mm-hmm. because interest rates are low. I think what you will see is. Um, the potential for some of the debt to be paid down. But I do see the UK running a, a larger budget deficit mm. overall. Um, you know, the reality is is we are in a low interest rate environment, so, so they can afford to do it. Yeah. It's interesting, uh, I think Neil Johnson was on the podcast a, f- a few months ago when we were talking about 
the debt that was built up on the on the pandemic and it being like a wartime debt. Yeah, um, yeah. And during the Second World War, the the debt was effectively consolidated. And actually, Gordon Brown was the what made the last payment, so they kind of removed it from the government debt, and it was yeah. well, it was still our debt, but it was put to one side. And it's been interesting if they if you see something like that. Yeah, I mean, you get things like um, like war loans, mm-hmm. which is a type of government debt. It's almost like like a guilt, and mm-hmm. um, which obviously issued during the war, and, yeah. and the perpetual. So what that means is basically. Um, that they don't have an end date. Yeah. That they, they never have to be sort of paid back in some ways. Um, I don't know. Right now, I haven't heard anything around you know individual governments sort of thinking of doing that. Um, what you have seen though is more debt issuance by governments. Mm. So whether that be like U.S. Treasuries, U.K. gilts, you have seen more debt issuance coming through, and all of that is is to pay for the pandemic. But also, you've got to remember that it's it's a favourable time to mm. do it. Mm. You know, interest rates are low, yeah. so it's a good time for governments to raise debt overall. So in some ways, even though when you see the headline figures of debt, it's, it's really, really uncomfortable. But the reality is, is because interest rates are low, it's, it's quite manageable, yeah, it's, it's serviceable. Yeah. Brilliant. And that's it, folks. Okay. So I think it wouldn't be... Um, Typical podcast style when you ask what everyone's doing at the weekend. Well, I think we need to ask what's happened to your voice, Jamie. I know. Because yeah. I do believe that you might have had a few sweet sherries yesterday well, for a certain someone's birthday. Yes, it was someone's birthday yesterday, but I'll, I'll not tell the full audience that it's oh. Dan Harrison's 40th. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's not mention Dan but Harrison's 40th. This is actually, a, I think, a little bit of a cold, not COVID, a little bit of a cold. Um, but I'm all right. Actually, I, I think I sound good. I think it's like that. Just like, like, like Monica, you yeah. mentioned me being more like when Monica like has a, her cold and friends. And it's actually Phoebe, so you need to. Get oh, that that's right. right. <laughs> oh, oh no, cut, cut, cut that. Um, <laughs> but I don't know what you, what you, what's the plans for the weekend? Are you? Um, what are the plans for the week? Oh, that's tax? tomorrow. Yes. Oh, well, the council tax comes out direct debit, Jamie. Um, I don't know if I have any plans for the week. Oh, I'm taking my mother, mother out for dinner tomorrow right? oh lovely so I'm going to make her pay though so oh. that's, <laughs> that's what <laughs> that is do you want her inside yes oh it is yes you're right so I'm technically out yeah. paying oh. what about you well for me I'm hof- hopefully I've got a dinner on s- the first time we've been out actually like I've got to got a babysitter I didn't realise oh. yeah, you have to get a babysitter these days oh because so, people are allowed yeah. out now as well aren't they yeah so for friends on, on Sunday night um, so that'll be that'll be interesting we'll have a a baby-free house in the night time as well. Which How is, do you think you'll cope? Uh, Addie will probably be on the phone every five minutes <laughs> um, asking after Jack, so I think that's the way we do. How about you, Jenny? Um, I think, we're well, Greg wants to deck the garden. I'm all up for getting somebody to do it. To see <laughs> Greg, you get yes. Greg to do it. Yes. Um, I'm all up for somebody else to do it because yeah. I'm worried about Greg with, you know, like... Tools. Tools, yeah. and I just think that it'll cause a million arguments, you know, if he's not doing it right. Or he's not <laughs> doing your way, he's not I doing think it your should way. do it, even yes. though I've got no idea what we're doing. So probably trying to come to a middle ground um, <laughs> and hopefully a barbecue because the weather's meant to be actually... Oh, oh is it? Decent. Nice, yeah. it? Yeah. I've stopped looking because it just... It just seems to be, you, you know when it's it's raining and you feel a little bit cloudy yourself, but then you look at the forecast and just think, it's, oh, it's been a wet this May. is it. Yeah. Yes, it has. It's been a wet May. Tragic. And Chris, are you back down to London? Or are you, uh, you going I'm to not. Yeah. I'm actually going to Edinburgh. Yeah. So oh. my girlfriend's parents are from Edinburgh. So we're going to go and stay with them for the oh. weekend. And um, what else am I doing? I'm also meeting up with Colin Beveridge, the, the chairman oh, of the yes. investment oh, committee. Excellent. And um, one of our non-execs, a guy called George Peebles as yes. well. Mm. 
for a beer on Sunday. Um, so is this a public fun. service announcement to avoid? We've just done at the end there. Just make sure they pay. I will do. Chris. I will do definitely. Should George just recommend a few bars in Edinburgh to me? So he, good. I'm sure you'll have yeah, a good yeah. time. Fun times. Brilliant. Well, thank you, everyone. Um, thank you. Thanks for having us, Jamie. Really good, uh, a really good session. But also thanks to everyone for the the questions that come through yeah. um, from the from the audience. It, it always really helps. And what I would say is please um, like and subscribe uh, just by clicking the like button at the bottom. And if you could subscribe, and you'll get this through uh, automatically. Uh, on your phone so thank you very much and we'll see you again next week thank see you ya. Bye. thank you bye subscribing to true potential youtube channel is quick and easy simply go to your youtube app on your phone type in true potential and press the red subscribe option you'll then be notified as and when new videos are released